The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Dushepsi for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to Extra Point Taking Shield Kapali here, joined by Ben Solak. Doing this a little Tuesday morning edition. The fine folks at Ringer. So you don't have to re- record on Christmas Day. Enjoy Christmas Day with your families. Watch a little football. Come back Tuesday. We'll get the recording up then. So we had a full slate on Christmas. We had a full slate on Christmas Eve. We had a full slate. Was it Festivus? We had a full, I mean, just football nonstop. They're doing NFL, doing everything they can to not let you speak uh, or hang out with your family. But that's okay, because we got a great, we got a great Christmas night. Yeah, ideal. Uh, We got a great Christmas night game, Ben Solak, that we're going to talk about to lead the show. How are you doing? Listen, a whole gamut of Christmas football. You're back, so I don't have to host this show anymore. Uh, Did well in the picks competition. Ideal, ideal week for me. I'm wearing a new flannel. This is I, I've, I'm peaking. This is the best I've been in months. Never leave again, dude. Hosting is the <laughs> worst. <laughs> you did a wonderful job. I felt like Carson Wentz watching, you. you know, Nick Foles hoist the Super Bowl trophy. Thank you to Solak. Thank you to Nora. Thank you to Ruiz for filling in for me. Uh, not feeling well last week, but back at it. So here we go. We're talking Ravens 49ers to lead the show. So uh, I've got a Ravens take. You've got a Niners take. I feel like there are 400 different angles to this game. Ravens come out with a 33-19 win. My Ravens take was just this. It's, it's nothing earth shattering. Just that watching that game, and I felt this way for a while, but it really stood out watching that game. No team can win the way the Ravens win. And I think there's two aspects to this as we look ahead Hmm. to can they finally get over the hump with Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh and win the Super Bowl. Number one, they're the most balanced team in the NFL. I mean, you see the way they win these games. They can win with their run game. They can win with Lamar in structure. Like early in that game, I'm going, ooh, passing game's a little bit off. And then they kind of get going. They're winning in structure. Then all of a sudden, you're seeing Lamar out of structure, scrambling for 31, uh, finding Gus Edwards on the dump off for another explosive play. They can win in either of those ways with the passing game. We know they can win with the defense. Holy cow, what a defensive performance from that Ravens team against the Niners. We know they can win with special teams. And so you add all these things up and they are just such a hard team to put away. Like unless just 
It is their worst day at the office where nothing is working, where they're not getting any bounces. They're going to be in every game. And we've seen that this entire season. They, no team has beaten the Ravens by more than seven points this season. Okay, they have mm-hmm. three losses, all by a total of 12 points. So that was that's the one aspect of this. And the second aspect of this I thought was interesting with, you know, the Ravens players kind of uh, puffing their chests out after the game. Patrick Queen saying, Ben, I know you're going to like this. We play it. You're an mm-hmm. old school football guy. You're going to like this. We play a brand of football that people don't want to play. And it was so <clears throat> interesting coming from Patrick Queen because this was not Patrick Queen's reputation earlier in his days as a Ravens right. player. It was like, does this guy actually fit what the Ravens generally are? Now he's come since they got Roquan Smith. He's been a different player. I generally scoff at the, oh, just you know, go out and hit him in the mouth. You know, I generally am like, all right, settle down. Offenses are too good. I believe in speed. That's not going to work. But then you watch that game and you see Kyle Hamilton and you see Marlon Humphrey and you see Roquan Smith and you see Jadeveon Clowney and you see like every single player on that Ravens defense. And it's like, okay, I think actually there is some truth to that. I think the two defenses right now that can actually say they play that way, that we play a brand of football nobody wants to play, that we bring the fights to to our opponents in a meaningful way when everyone's saying, eh, too high, don't give up explosive. No, 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 we're old school. We're bringing the fight to the opponent. I think it's the Ravens and the Browns. And I think you saw that during that Monday night game. So uh, I the Ravens just, do play a lot of too high though. But uh, yes, I agree. Listen, they're not just yeah. sitting back there saying matriculate the ball down the field. No, right. it's, it's more than just uh, too high. So this really feels like the Ravens time. I mean, they still have to take care of business against the Dolphins. They could still be in play for the one seed even if they lose that game. They have to take advantage right now, Ben, because they've got Mike McDonald, who I don't think Mike McDonald's going to be there next year. I mean, talk about stock soaring here uh, this season. I think he's going to get a head coaching opportunity. You have a healthy Lamar Jackson. Let's keep it that way going into the playoffs. You have a wide open AFC. I was there 2019. I covered that Ravens-Titans game in Baltimore 14-2. and That team felt pretty invincible, kind of like this one did. And all of a sudden, snap of your fingers, they're out of the playoff. They have not gotten past the divisional round. Uh, Dean Pease, man. Dean, Dean Pease. They've got the look right now. You know, Mike McDonald, you see him flexing on the sideline at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. calling Mike Florio, Mike Flores. I think that also uh, was funny to me. Uh, the number of guys contributing on both sides of the ball. They have the look to me. They can win in ways no other team can win. Uh, I don't know that any fan base can feel better about their team than the Ravens fan base going into the final two weeks of the season. Pending Kyle Hamilton health, I agree, right? I think, I think, it, Correct. my interaction which with we Ravens don't know, fans as we after that this game, year, we don't know details. Yeah, my Ravens fan, and which, which Harbaugh said, like, it looks like it's good. It looks like, like, you know, we're not like, he's not shelves for the year. Um, but talking with my Ravens buddies after the game, it was like, we're great. We're immortal. We're invincible. We're the best. This is so awesome. If Kyle Hamilton can't play, I'm never going to watch a Ravens game again. Because it was such a good game for him specifically. Like, he's had such a great oh season. God. He would have been on my all-pro ballot at safety before this game. This game was the cementing. It was, it was emphatic. It was the blitzing and the Christian McCaffrey coverage and the Debo Samuel tackling and then the interception. Just everything you could possibly ask a safety to do, this cat is capable of doing. And then he goes down with that knee and you're like, this is so unjust. And so altogether, I do agree with you with with that Ravens team. Uh, Andrew Filipponi, I thought had had a good tweet. He's a uh, 937 The Fan. He's a Pittsburgh guy. Uh, The Ravens have led at the two-minute warning in all 16 games this year. 
Only two other teams have accomplished this. The Ooh. 2007 Patriots, good team. Good team, the 07 Patriots. The 1972 Dolphins, good team. The 1972 Dolphins were, right? It is a, a reminder that the, the Baltimore Ravens, like you said, oh, they've only lost three games. Right, they lost like the dumbest Steelers game imaginable. They lost to the Colts because Justin Tucker missed multiple dumbest field goals. Dumbest Colts right? game imaginable. Which, yeah, exactly, yes. it was like legit like shooting star meteoric eclipse event when Justin Tucker's missing field goals. It's like a rainy day. Like The games they've lost, and this goes back to last year, they've lost for dumb reasons late in games, which absolutely... When I'm watching that Ravens team take a 21 point lead in the fourth quarter last night and Sam Donald cuts it to 14 and Sam Donald's driving to cut it to seven. Am I thinking to myself, there's no way? Yes, 100% I'm doing that. But altogether, this team for the brunt of games, for the majority of games, controls, dictates and, and, and dominates. I made my little cheeky, oh, they play too high uh, comment, but you're exactly correct, Shield. We, we like to bucket too high. I just say, oh, you know, one high aggressive, get numbers in the box, stop the run. Too high, passive, stop the pass. There's a variety of ways to play too deep coverage. You play cover two, Matt Eberflus, sit back there, deep zones, John Gannon, deep zones, give up the underneath stuff. And then there's the Baltimore Ravens version, which is we play too high to be versatile. We play too high to match coverage. We play too high to suffocate you, to take you away, to eat up space. Like We think our back seven is going to be better than your five. It was unbelievable. I watched the film this morning. First thing I had Ravens defense, Niners offense. I don't have coffee yet. The way this team plays just zone coverage. Just how how everybody passes things off at the right time to players where they're expected. They don't get stretched. They don't get stressed. They don't blow assignments. And when they do blow assignments, they give up a 20-yard gain to George Kittle. They don't let it spiral. Is it get back out there? We're going to run quarters. We're going to be right this time. It is very, like, if, if every defense coordinator had their druthers, they would run the defense that the Ravens are running because they're just running zone. They're just running zone. They're just dropping into coverage and taking away routes. But you don't have seven guys be this correct and this coordinated, this, this choreography, snap after snap, the way the Ravens have achieved this year. It, it is an unbelievable job of coaching. And to Patrick Queen's comment, they don't want to play us. Brock Purdy was like, like the, the first quarter, quarter and a half of Brock Purdy, he was playing well. Like he was playing good football. He had interceptions. And the Kyle Hamilton pick, the first one was a bad throw, it was a bad decision. But overall, he was playing good ball. He got hassled dude he got rattled he got hit in the mouth a couple of times they got free rushers on him lighting his christmas tree and eventually he didn't want to play ball anymore that's that's what happens when you when you dictate like this like he they absolutely rattled a guy who isn't used to being rattled that's the sort of people don't want to play us we hit you right we hit you in the mouth we make this unpleasant that is a great defensive identity i think right now if you gave me a a, a control over a team uh, independent of what that team is of who that team is quarterback situation and, and cap space, whatever. And you said, Ben, you can hire Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator, or Mike McDonald, Ravens defense coordinator as your head coach. I think I'd take Mike. I think Mike does the rarer thing. I think Ben Johnson's a great coach, but I think I, and like, obviously there's a lot of wisdom to like, okay, hire an offensive coach because that way he won't get uh, plucked, right? He won't get snagged from you. You can protect your offensive system. I hear that. But what Mike is, is achieving and like, it's just dangerously close to the Brandon Staley stuff. Because Brandon Staley was doing it with, with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And now Mike's doing it with Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith. And I tell you, those two are, are tops at their position. Those are elite game-changing talents. But what Mike's doing is, a, is, is not a common thing. This is an extremely well-coached unit. Uh, so I, I, am, I am blown away by Mike McDonald. I'm blown away by this defense. And offensively, yeah, like you brought up that, that 2019 Ravens season and that 14-2 loss, the Titans in the, in the divisional round. But... This Lamar is so different than that Lamar. This Lamar is so balanced. Offense is completely different too. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm having the experience this year where I'm watching Lamar like, run, go, run, stop trying to pass. Like, do you imagine saying that about Lamar four years ago? Where like you just didn't you you didn't have that response. But he's just constantly like, oh, I'm gonna hang out behind the line and find Zay Flowers on the scramble drill. And you're like, no, dude, just go. Like you're the man. But it 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 is the correct choice. He's right and I'm wrong, and it makes the offense work. Um, they're they're an astonishing team, and they're they're, they're they're very well balanced. They can beat you a ton of different ways. I think that is that's huge for them as they make this run. Number one in offensive DVOA, only team, they're in the top five offense, defense, and special teams in DVOA. Yeah. I mean, that is rare. Usually, like I, I always joke in the offseason, build the great offense and then get by on defense and see what happens. Like to, to have this many strengths uh, all over the place and they all really manifested themselves in that game against the 49ers is very, very impressive. So uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Listen, AFC playoffs, oh my goodness, they're going to be uh, a lot of fun. A lot of teams that could win there, but uh, no one better situated than the Ravens. All right, I'm very interested. So like, I messaged you last night, I said, all right, you know, we should do two takes on this game because it's so good. And these are two like yeah. very relevant teams. And you said, and you said, all right, cool. I've got a 49ers take. And I thought, okay, all right, what's he, what's he Jonesing to get to? So yeah. what is your 49ers angle to that game? Uh, well, I think is I've already planted a lot of my Ravens flags. Check the Lamar MVP receipts, baby. We've been home to support the FanDuel leader. I'm loving it. Uh, the Niners take is I, I felt it last night. I felt it again watching the film. Niners, you're you're all right. You're okay. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be just fine. Uh, as a guy who largely has been a Brock Purdy doubter and has been below you know the the median on Brock and you know didn't think Brock should win MVP and the Niners fans very angry about that. Brock did not have a, a, a four INT game. Yeah, he had a bad game. He didn't have a four INT game. Like, I, I watched Nick Mullins throw four interceptions against the Lions. That was a four INT game. All right, I know what it looks like. That was an eight INT game. Yeah. <laughs> Brock, like I said, Brock was, was solid to start the game, right? We got to remember that at one point, the, this game, it was like, oh, it was like 13 to five, right? Like weird score, Ravens are leading. But Brock had like, 11 yards per attempt or something, right? They had the huge George Kittle catch and run. Another George Kittle. Brandon Ayuk on the blaze out. Debo Samuel down the field, 20 yards. Like, they they were ripping off explosives the way that they typically do. Uh, when And they were doing that on early downs. When the Ravens could get them into late downs, the Ravens could dictate and the Ravens could win. But on early downs, they were throwing the ball successfully. And then in that second half, when they wanted to run it, they were running it successfully well. This offense was, was working. Uh, the first INT to Kyle Hamilton, bad throw. He threw right into the teeth of it. That was a, a that was such a too much gumption throw. Like, oh, I'm immortal. Like, no, you're not, dude. Look at the safety. Very bad decision. The second interception was a Brandon Stevens deflection. Marlon Humphrey caught it behind the line of scrimmage. They were throwing a, a now screen off of an RPO. Corner comes on the blitz. You throw the screen. Corner deflection. That's objectively already a good play. And now it bounces to Marlon Humphrey. Not a lot you can do about that one. That's good defensive keys by the Ravens. There's no untendency. The third one. As the uh, as another pass breakup, right? The Ravens got him on, on a coverage rotation. Uh, and he starts scrambling around back there. He's trying to make something happen. He attempts a high difficulty throw. He gets away with these a lot. One of my th- my things with Brock is is like, oh, he's much better scrambling and out of the pocket than Jimmy was. Yes, that's true, but he still tries stuff he shouldn't try. Like, he doesn't have a hammer of an arm. He can't really make these throws. So he ends up getting popped up and it lands right in Kyle Hamilton's hands. Like these are usually PBUs. These are usually second and ten, and instead they're they're short fields like. And that's that's bad luck. It, it is. And then the fourth one, he's late to Christian McCaffrey and he gets hit on the throw. Uh, he shouldn't be late to it. He should be faster to it. He should have already gotten rid of it. But again, like he, his his right tackle loses right away and he his arm gets hit. Like, 
part of playing football. Uh, he didn't have as bad of a game as four interceptions would suggest. Now, he's had a stinger in back-to-back weeks. And if there's something that worries me about Brock, well, there's a lot that worries me about Brock. One thing that worries me about Brock is the fact that he is a small guy. And I think hits kind of accumulate on him uh, a little bit. And you, you could see that in this game where he just started to get real squirrely around pressure and just get rid of his feet weren't good. Like, I do think that like the season really wears on, on a guy his size. So I think you're starting to see him overreact to pressure and overreact to contact, which does scare me for a long season. But altogether, like McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, like what makes this offense work? Shanahan. That still remains. So Brock had a four INT game. He's going to turn around next week because the commanders have a four touchdown game. Like I, I, this is not like a beginning of the end sort of a thing. Now, Trent Williams went down in the second half with a groin injury. And then his backup went down also during this game. Aaron Banks was starting guard for them, kicked out the tackle because of the injuries. He went down during this game. Like, like they were unbelievably dealing with offensive line injuries. And in particular, Trent, like they have not won a game this year that Trent Williams hasn't finished. They are 0-4 in games where Trent Williams gets hurt during or does not play. Like, Trent is a hugely valuable player to an offensive line that I think is, like, solid, but really needs that linchpin on the left side to kind of make this scheme go. And so uh, the Trent Williams injury is a big thing. I think if you have any concern, you're kind of the accumulating injuries in the offensive line. Like, someone's going to sink this ship, it's that. But offensively, like, oh, the bad performance, four INTs, the sky is falling. I don't think it is. I think that they could bounce back and do the exact same thing on offense they've been doing all season long next week against the commanders because Brock wasn't great, but a very few defenses can achieve what the Ravens achieved against him. And even then he got pretty unlucky over the course of this game. Niners are still the best team in the NFC by my book. I think they're going to represent the conference in the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be okay. I'm so disappointed. That was too reasoned, too measured. That was going to be my, like my comeback to whatever your take was. That was a little more. That's why uh, I said I have to do it it because I knew, I knew, I knew you were ready to be, (laughs) to beat me to the middle. And I was like, no, I will be beating shields to the middle. I, I, I mostly feel the same way too. It's like, it's like when there's a quarterback, like we, we always, I feel like, and I'll count myself on this. It's, it's hard to like guard against when you have like a take or an opinion of a quarterback and then that that quarterback has a great game. Then you're like, you know, spiking the football and then that quarterback has a terrible game. And then you start making excuses. And then it's the quarterback that you don't have a high opinion of. And then that quarterback has a bad game. Oh, see. Told you so. And that quarterback has a good game. And you're like, yeah, but it wasn't that. So so we always yeah. do this. Uh, I tend to agree with you. I, I'm not like, you know, you, you'll make fun of me for being in the middle. I probably am in the middle on Brock Purdy. I think he's had a great season. I think he's executed the offense. Do I think he's the best quarterback uh, in the NFL? If I were doing a draft and said, who is the guy I want to build around? Would he be in the top three? No, he, he, he would not be uh, in the top three there. At the same time, he's done what's asked of him. And that offense has operated at historic levels. He's allowed to have a bad game. Look at every quarterback in the NFL this year. Lamar Jackson has had bad games. Patrick Mahomes has had bad games. Josh Allen has had bad. I could go on and on and on. Joe Burrow, uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. All these guys have had bad games this season. And it's like, all right, Brock Purdy had a bad game where we're just typically used to seeing the 49ers put up 35 or 40 uh, against their opponents. And I'm with you. Like, I do think there's a little bit of a different game script where they get back in that game if they don't have the offensive line injuries. Like, early in that game, it wasn't, uh, it, yeah, it wasn't like, oh man, the Ravens are completely shutting them down. Like, I mean, they're getting a red zone turnover uh, right there. They're getting three takeaways, which we I've said in the past, like, I don't think any defense can really shut down this 49ers offense when it's at full strength, going three and out, three and out, three and out. I think you have I to agree. be opportunistic, be aggressive, I uh, get agree those more. turnovers that are available to you. And that's... And, 
And that's what the Ravens did. And credit to them. And they have an awesome defense. I think two defenses, the Browns and the Ravens. I don't know that there's another defense that's going to be capable of playing at that level. And though both those defenses um, are in the AFC. So, uh, yeah, I generally agree with you. I think most weeks, I think playoffs. I think Brock Purdy's going to be fine. If he's healthy, I still think they're the favorites in the NFC. Now, I will say this, Solak. The Darnold thing was kind of interesting to me. I mean, Purdy was cleared. Let's go back. I'm just saying, well, I mean, Purdy's cleared to go into the game. And, uh, you know, let me see. I have my little yellow legal pad, which, you know, you'll make fun of me for uh, writing in here. I've never let made me see. fun How of you much for time the legal pad left? once. Uh, Every time you introduce it, you're like, he's going to make fun of me. I haven't done it a single time. Okay. Okay. There's still like, what, six, seven minutes left in that game. Like, they had a chance. I mean, Darnold scores the touchdown. It's 33-19 with 435 left. To your point, the Ravens have lost games like this before. You have this this crazy offense that can score in a hurry. You get to 33-19 and you force a three and out. Like, you got a chance to steal this football game and the broadcast says, well, you know, uh, the game's out of hand. I don't blame him for keeping Brock Purdy on the bench. Wait, what? No, no, no. You're battling for the one seed in the freaking NFC. There are stakes uh, at play here. Patrick Mahomes, is he being protected in that spot? No. Josh Allen, are you keeping him on the sidelines? We don't know. Of course not. That's nonsense that like, oh, the game's over. We're going to keep Brock Purdy uh, on the bench here and just roll with Sam Darnold. Now, Shanahan said after it was a combination of the score and the offensive line injuries. I'll just tell you my honest opinion. I felt I felt at that time that Kyle Shanahan wanted to get a look at Sam Darnold in that situation <laughs> just to see. That's how I felt. You can yell at me. You can scold me. You can say, well, you're making something out of nothing. This is not, that's not what happened. You have a chance to still win that game, to steal that game. And you don't, he's cleared. And this is, it's very, you talk to NFL coaches most of the time. It's very cut and dry. Medical staff says the guy's cleared. Or he's not clear. They, they don't have time to be getting into eight-minute conversations about that. There was a great camera work. I, I will give the camera people ooh, a ooh. lot of credit during mm. that broadcast. They, they, go to per, they go to Purdy and Darnold on the bench. Greasy's there. Purdy's like, am I going in? Am I not going in? Darnold's like, are you going in? Are you not going in? Greasy points to Kyle Shanahan. And he's like, go ask him. He's the head coach. Purdy goes over to Shanahan. Shanahan covers his mouth, says something to Purdy. Purdy goes back to the bench. Darnold comes back in the game. All right, tell me I'm crazy. Do you buy Kyle Shanahan's take there that it was just score offensive line or are you with me that there was at least some piece of Kyle Shanahan that in that spot said, I kind of just want to see what Sam Darnold's going to give us after he put together that great first drive. I don't think it's, I want to see what Sam Donald has. I think it's, I can engineer a 21 point comeback with Sam Darnold. I have, I, I, I can pull that off. I got that. No problem. That's the, <laughs> it's not, not a huge drop off. Uh, a, a little bit tongue in cheek there. Uh, what I will say is I do think that, that if you took it away from being a stinger and took it into like rib, you know, or like knee, I think you're a lot more likely to see Purdy go back out there. Like he brings up all oh, the offensive line injuries. Yeah. They were already having the injuries when Purdy got hurt. Okay. Like that was not like those happened afterward. Like Trent was already out for a lot of the Purdy second half there. Um, so I think like the nature of stingers and the fact that like they can be re 
ignited. I, I, I'm using all incorrect medical terminology. I'm sorry for people who actually know things about stingers who are like, this guy's an idiot. But in general, like, that can be like a nagging injury. It can be a recurring injury. It can it can be easily re-irritated. It's something you want to be careful around. And so uh, I think that, that probably the, the mercurial nature of it, like, oh, he's clear to go back in the game, but like he's at a high risk of re-injury. I don't know. Uh, I think that probably adds to it. Uh, what I will say, like, in terms of, like Purdy quality versus Sam Darnold quality, in the first half, when Trent was still in, like looking at the Ravens' defensive game plan, the way they decided to play the game relative to what they expected, Trent's going to be healthy, the offensive line's going to be good, whatever. It was very clear that the Ravens thought the weak link on the offense was Purdy, right? Like they play, like you talked about being opportunistic. You can't really fully stop this offense, right? Like they regularly gave Brandon Ayuk 10 yards of cushion free release. Like that's usually a death knell defensively. They gave George Kittle like, all right, yeah, we're just have Kyle Hamilton cover George Kittle from like 15 yards of depth. Like that's, that's you, teams do this and they die against the Niners. The Niners score 50 on them, but they did it saying, all right, we know we're not going to be able to really like actually cover all these guys all the time. So we're going to put guys in the line of scrimmage. We're going to send extra rushers. We're going to send a fifth guy off the edge because we think that we, the weak link here is Purdy. We think that, that, that Shanahan over four quarters is going to out scheme us. He's going to open guys up. We need over four quarters, Debo's going to outrun us and Kittle's going to break tackles and McCaffrey's going to outrun us. But if we can hassle this guy, if like, like, like the, the fulcrum here is Purdy, if we can make him uncomfortable, making him make mistakes, that's how we'll win. That's how we'll get our opportunities. And they were dramatically paid off for that with four interceptions. You run that back a hundred times, you're not getting that every single time. But then, like, it is, like, Niners fans got mad at me, like, oh, the offensive line is the weakness. It was by the end of the game when multiple guys went out. In the beginning of the game, the weak link for this the, this offense was Purdy. And that's what, like, I've been harping on and Steve's been harping on other film guys have been harping on when they talk about this offense. Like, Purdy's good. Like, Purdy brings stuff to the table. Purdy's better than Garoppolo. No two ways around it. But when you go to stop this offense and you figure out what you want to attack, you can't be like, all right, well, let's just, you know, use our Debo Samuel eraser. That doesn't exist, dude. Like, oh, let's just stack the box against Christian McCaffrey. You're still going to lose, man. Like, there's no... Shanahan's going to beat you. The way you beat this team is you really put the onus on Purdy to make good decisions fast. That, like, that, that's what the Ravens game plan taught me. Which is something, to his credit, he has, he has been pretty good at for uh, most of the season there. All right, to be clear, I'm not saying... I don't think Darnold has any chance of operating this offense as well as Purdy over an extended period of time. I think that's doing a great disservice to Brock uh, Purdy. I know there are Darnold truthers out there. I will at least admit that Darnold looked great during that. I agree, during but that, it's fun to say. Yeah, I, I, Darnold looked great during that one drive, probably as best as he's ever looked as an NFL quarterback. I think it would be a fun natural experiment if we ever saw it, but I don't know. That, that Something seemed a little bit off there uh, with that decision-making. I think it was more than just the score and the offensive line injuries. All right, let's take a break. Come back with more takes. <laughs> As the weather gets cold, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 Moneyline bet wins. Upcoming week, I do like the Eagles against the spread against the Cardinals. And the Lions right now, six-point underdogs to the Cowboys in Dallas. I know Cowboys have been good at home, but to me, that line is too big, giving the Lions. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Live same-game parlays, finding bets, the new Explore tab, diving into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNFL and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame moneyline wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, we are back on Extra Point Taken. This take is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. Makers of the Omni Heat Infinity Collection with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat. Omni Heat Infinity delivers instant warmth without compromising breathability. Cold outside, gold inside with Columbia's Omni Heat Infinity Collection. Go out anyway. Learn more at Columbia.com slash infinity. All right. This is a dangerous uh, take to associate uh, with Columbia because I could get old takes exposed in the months ahead. But I'm burying the Chiefs, Ben Solak. They are not winning the Super Bowl. This team is not good enough. I realize this is dangerous. I realize realize this can get thrown back into my face uh, in five or six weeks when they're in Vegas representing the AFC and everyone's saying, they you should have never doubted Mahomes and Andy Reid. I'm sorry. I've seen enough this season. You're going into uh, the final two weeks of the season. How many times are we going to be having conversations about this offense? They've played 109 games with Patrick. Patrick Mahomes, that game ranked 109th in EPA per drive. Their worst game in terms of EPA per drive with Patrick Mahomes as their starter. Now, I know they gave up two touchdowns. You're saying, come on, that's not indicative. It was 103rd in success rate. The offense was not working for the majority of that game. By the way, credit to the Raiders defense. I mean, they came out. Well, what did Antonio Pierce tell those? I Side note. Uh, favorite moment during a Christmas Day broadcast yeah. was when the they were they were like Antonio Pierce told this team to play with hatred and violence. Yeah, and violence. Like, oh, that's the Christmas ah! spirit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was laughing during that, but so they came funny. out playing with their uh, with their collective hair on fire. They played great. This Chiefs offense, though, now averaging twenty one point seven points per game. They have never averaged fewer than twenty seven. points per game. This is a massive drop-off. And we've seen it week after week after week. We keep waiting. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out with this guy. They'll they'll write Andy Reid, Patrick Murashi, right. It's not. It's the pass catchers, yes. It's the offensive tackles also, by the way. You signed Jawan Taylor to a monster contract in the offseason, selling everyone on the notion he's going to replace Orlando Brown at left tackle. Then you play him at right tackle. You're starting Donovan Smith at left tackle. He goes down with an injury. Now you have a backup left tackle in there. It's not great offensive tackle play. It's not great wide receiver. Wanya Morris. Wanya Morris. Great name, Wanya great Morris. Name. Uh, the pass catchers aren't good enough. They, If they had answers, we would have seen the answers by now. And so you could say, yeah, but the AFC is wide open. True. But right now, if the season ended today, Ben, the Kansas City Chiefs would host the Buffalo Bills at home in the first round. They would likely have to go to Miami in the divisional round. And then they would potentially have to go to Baltimore in the AFC championship game. I'm sorry. This team is not good enough to play mistake-free football uh, for three games against those caliber opponents and come out on the other side and give you the surprise season where everyone says, Shield, you should have never doubted Mahomes and injury. Am I a little scared about this take? Yes, of course I'm a little scared about this take. But listen, sometimes 
You got to just go with it. It's how I feel. Usually I actually take the other side. I say, all right, everyone's worried about this. It's not that big of a deal. They still have the coach. They still have the quarterback. No, no, no. My eyes have told me all season long that Mahomes is standing back there looking, looking. I mean, every drop back against the Ray, he's like scrambling. There's nothing in structure. There's nothing, no rhythm to the offense. And again, it's not a one game thing. It's happened time after time after time. I'm burying the Chiefs. They're not getting to the Super Bowl. They got to look at themselves in the mirror in the offseason and say, how can we help our quarterback give himself, give him enough so that we can get back to where we were a year ago? All right. You don't feel the same way, I think. Well, so I wrote about the uh, the Chiefs and what island I'm on. I actually did the hot read because there's, there's the Chiefs are, you know, concerningly bad. This is very big consternation. There's that train and then there's the Chiefs are fine train. And I've spent my entire season on the Chiefs are fine train, just waving at the Chiefs are concerningly bad train, waving at you, being like, guys, Patrick Mahomes, don't worry about it. This is the first game where like, I put the backpack on, I zipped up the suitcase, I started walking out of my train mm. and maybe started going, this was the game where I, I got like, a seat here, I saved you a seat. Yeah, this, um, I don't think I'm going to actually switch trains. I think that it, if I'm going to be wrong about things, which I inevitably will be in this postseason, I'd like to be wrong believing in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like that feels fine to me. I might as well just be wrong doing that as opposed to doing something else. Uh, what I will say is that this is, there have been games that have been bad statistically for Mahomes, but I've watched it and been like, holy smokes, good player. This is the first game where I was like, all right, Patrick, like you're very good. Like the running around is very impressive. And he made several throws in this game where you're like, this guy's incredible. What an unbelievable talent. Patrick Mahomes is so good. But altogether from a snap to snap perspective, you're like, dude, like you gotta just throw it. Like it, it sucks that your receivers aren't very good, and it's bad that like you're you're dying in pass protection right now. But you don't, yeah. Like even even you don't get to like behave like this. Where just every single snap, it's like all right, three step drop, and I'm running around now. Like throw something in rhythm, dude. Just throw the curl on time. Like you you have to do something structure because like Raiders wise, like defensively, you're not even getting connected to routes. Really, you're not even like trying to take away structure. You're just all right. We're gonna rush with four. And then our seven or sit back in zone, play with eyes on the guy, and then just win the scramble drill. You have to be able to threaten legitimate, standard, actual drop back passing game in order to make scramble drill like mean something. To make it have some some velocity to it, have some geometry to it. We're like, all right, we've already ran this and put this defender here and moved that defender over there. So now when I scramble, this window's gonna open. You know, you just it's just backyard football, right? Think about defense and backyard football. You're just kind of standing 20 yards back, waiting for the the, the quarterback to chuck it. Cause he's never gonna like throw an in-structure slant. It's backyard football. It, 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 this, this, this game really made, made Mahomes feel to me like a burned man. It made Mahomes feel to me like a guy who just like, the pass direction's been too bad and the receivers have been not good and so he's just out on participating in this offense. He's going to keep taking the snaps and trying to make things happen, but he's done with like, this is designed to go here and if you get too high, go to this. Like, he's just done with it. Like, no more Marcus Valdez scanning. Done with that. Uh, you know, Justin Watson dropped another pass. Whatever. Like I'm forcing this to Travis Kelsey. The uh, the other thing with the the offensive line play is that like they they were at their best this season offensively when they were a run team, right? When when they when they could really grind it out with Pacheco, and then that would lessen the pass rush juice and allow Mahomes to be a more successful passer from the pocket on like play action and stuff. And with Pacheco off that shoulder surgery and the offensive line playing this poorly, it's Pacheco's second soldier, second shoulder surgery this season, by the way, like he plays a very violent style of ball and it's fun to watch, but like it's, it's eating up on him. It's catching up to him with that 
with that Pacheco injury and the offensive line quality where it's at, they can't run the ball successfully. And so now they're in more drop back pass. They're in more clear passer situations and the line can't hold up and Mahomes is just not doing anything within structure. So this, this was the most concerning Mahomes game I've seen this season comfortably. Now, the Raiders were super amped up. The Raiders pass rushes, I think, better than a lot of people realize. Malcolm Koontz has been a nice, nice little find opposite uh, uh, Max Crosby. I think that, that you know, divisional rival, and they, we haven't beat him in seven tries, and Antonio Pierce, a lot of emotions for the Raiders. Raiders scored 14 points on, on two defensive plays. Like It's a little bit of a, of a chaos game, a little bit of a derpy game. I don't want to buy too much into it, but the way Mahomes is behaving week over week is scaring me, the way he's playing. And I think that postseason-wise, if he walks out and he's like, I have to be Superman, I have to be Atlas World on my back in order to win this game from snap one, he's probably going to lose those games. And that that's what concerns me in the postseason. I have no time for those Mahomes arguments. I mean, I don't want to see any clips this week of low, this the way the play's drawn out, should have gone in structure here with Mahomes. They have sabotaged his season. He is looking to be the greatest quarterback of all time. He's in his prime. He's healthy. And they have riddled him with garbanzo beans, pass catchers, garbanzo beans, offensive tackles, and coaches with no answers for how to help him. So I have no time for that. This is human nature. This isn't just, oh, oh this was drawn up here and the ball should have... Yeah, I understand why he's doing that. They gave, he gave them 15 weeks to figure it out, including a bye week. They they trade away Tyreek Hill and they win the Super Bowl last year. No, it's going to be the we're, we're drafting these guys. We're bringing in younger players. We're signing Marquez Valdez scaling. Don't worry, you'll have guys. And guess what? He can't trust any of them, not one of them, except for his older tight end, Travis Kelsey, which is the only guy anyone has to worry about. And maybe on occasion, uh, uh, Rashi Rice, who is obviously not the guy you want to be leaning on uh, when you're Patrick Mahomes at this juncture of your career. So um, I understand why he's operating the way he is. I think it's human nature. I think pretty much any quarterback would be operating that way, especially given what he's shown in the past when he can just get into playground mode uh, and create and do that. So if he's thinking to himself, you know what? I gave them time. They didn't do it. I'm just going to do what I need to do. I'm good enough. I'm going to put on the cape. I'm going to be Superman. I don't care. Uh, then I understand why he's doing that. And you know what? It might wor- work. Then it might win some games. So I have no time for any clips this week. Again, about, uh, you know, uh, this here's the concept. He's got to get over it. The ball should come out. Like, I don't want to hear about any of that because that is looking at the game uh, in a vacuum, one game in a vacuum, and not the entire structure of this guy's competitive nature, his mentality, and how the season has gone for him. So there you go. I hear that. I I understand. I understand where you're coming from. That I, I seriously do. I will say that, like, in terms of what do the Chiefs have to do tomorrow to be more likely to win a game? Because tomorrow they can't just like get new receivers in here, get new tackles in here. Mahomes has to be willing to play in structure a little bit more to win a game tomorrow. Overall, Mahomes is justified. His very his his behavior is extremely understandable. We have documented it on this pod over the course of time. Where we're like, this is going to break the guy. Uh, and, and is completely justified. Uh, my right, so I, I'm with you on that one. If you know a Chiefs, I, want, I just want to make it clear as somebody who was once like a film account with eight thousand followers. If you're trying to like you know do the work, you can still post your clips. Shield's not going to tell you to stop. Shield, I'm very supportive of you <laughs> doing the job. It's just overall, what's wrong with the Chiefs is not so much that as the other. That's stuff. true. I am. Yes, that's true. You can show it to me. Uh, I'm not going to buy that. Uh, I'm going to understand why he is the way he is. All right, that Chiefs take was brought to you by Columbia Sportswear, makers of the Omni Heat Infinity Collection with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat. Omni Heat Infinity delivers instant warmth without compromising breathability. Cold outside, gold inside with Columbia's Omni Heat Infinity Collection. Go out anyway. Learn more at Columbia.com 
slash infinity. All right, so all that, what do you got? What's your next take? Uh, yeah, my next take is this. The Jaguars, and particularly Doug Peterson, need to get serious this offseason. Uh, my next take is a Jaguars take, too. All right, we, we hit. Are we, are, we, are we in concert here, or is yours separate? Give, give me yours, and then, yeah, yeah I, I think we're right. probably in concert. But, uh, yeah, mine's a little different spin on it, but the, the same angle, I think. Uh, okay, so let's, let's, let's define where the Jaguars are at. The Jaguars, with the first overall pick, selected Trevor Lawrence. And in doing so, they got a guy who was supposed to be a generational talented quarterback, right? And then there's been quite a lot of, like, where's this generational talent? It's year three of Trevor Lawrence, and he doesn't look the way that, that I thought he was going to look. And... I, when I watch Trevor, I, I firstly, like the generational talent thing is always very frustrating. Like he got gassed as a prospect. He deserved to be the first overall pick, but he, he got gassed. He got, he got hyped up to, oh, next Peyton Manning. Like that's never fair to a guy. When I watch Trevor Lawrence play, I very much struggle to be like, oh, this guy's the problem with the team. Like I can't, I can't get there. Like the, the arm talent, the, the, the movement skills, the pocket management, the, the quiver of throws that he has. Like this is very clearly an NFL quarterback. I think there's there's certainly nits to pick. And I think if you've been watching Lawrence like a lot this season, you got to remember, this guy's had knee injury. He's had an ankle issue. He's off the concussion protocol. He had a shoulder injury in this game. Like he is playing through big injury this year. Because there are absolutely some Trevor plays that I see. And I'm like, dude, what the heck was that? I think he's really banged up. And I think that has to be taken into account. But altogether, I think Lawrence, even if you're a detractor and you're like, he was the first overall pick, he's overrated, he's not that good. He very clearly, to me, gets over the bar of like, this is an NFL quarterback that you can win some games. This is, this is a solid NFL starter. This is an NFL starting quarterback. I think he's a lot better than that, but I think he clears that bar. All right, well, now you have it. You got the thing. You have a starting quarterback on a rookie contract. And no, it's not the Brock Purdy contract where he's making $800,000, but this is $10 million cap at this year. It's 11.7 next year. And then it comes the fifth year option where he'll be around 20 million. You only have two years left of like definitely cheap Trevor Lawrence. And if you do an extension, you might be able to structure it. The third, then the third year, 2026 is cheaper, whatever. But in general, you only have a couple years left of cheap Trevor Lawrence. The way this team is constructed right now is not how a team should be constructed when it has a rookie contract quarterback from a play calling perspective. And I, people might be like, Ben, you've talked about this too much. I don't care. From a play calling perspective, this team does not help its quarterback. Trevor Lawrence sits back there in a five-man pocket, rolling out full field progressions, throwing to Elijah Cooks. Elijah Cooks looked okay. Throwing to Jamal Agnew and, and, and Luke Farrell and Tim Jones and, and, and they have Christian Kirk's injured. Zay Jones is injured. Guess what? Welcome to the NFL. Wide receivers get hurt. Zay Jones got hurt and it dramatically crippled this passing attack. If that happens to you, there is something wrong with your passing attack. If Zay Jones is that integral to your passing game, you have an issue. And I, I wrote about them earlier this year. Okay, they got to push the ball more down the field. They did it for a couple weeks. They lost it. They gave it up. Running game-wise, the, the first round pick on Travis Etienne, third round pick on Tank Bigsby, who, by the way, has been benched, has been replaced by Darnus Johnson. Tank Bigsby. Second round pick, Tank Bigsby. He's like, he's like 62 or something. The running game, they, they do nothing. They, they're, uh, the Jaguars are facing third and longs at, at, at a high rate over the last six weeks of football. And this has been a bad third down team because they have poor designs. They don't have any beaters. They have no like, okay, you know, we're just going to run this rubber out. It's going to go to Evan Ingram and he's going to pick up the first down. It's all read out. It's all post-snap processing. They put the world on Lawrence's shoulders. And he is by uh, an offensive line that I think is like fine, but he is hurt. Help the guy. Christian Kirk's gone. He's our slot dude. Figure it out. Welcome to the league, man. I cannot get over how this offense lost Zay Jones and now Christian Kirk. And they're like, well, there's nothing to be done. 
Yes, there is. This is the league, man. And that brings us to the personnel, right? Because they spend picks on weapons this year. Tank Bigsby and Brent Strange, they spend picks on weapons. These guys don't play. So third string back and their third string tight end. That's who they picked in the second round in, 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 on day two this year. They look at look at the uh, the the you have the the Trayvon Walker selection and I think Devin Lloyd's been playing better. Okay, whatever the Devin Lloyd selection, the Caleb on Chasen selection. They've just been burning top picks and not all of that was Trent Bulky, but a good portion of that was Trent Bulky. And Bulky had a lot of cap space to work with Trevor Lawrence on a rookie deal. And altogether, it's been Christian Kirk and it's been Roy Robertson Harris and it's been Devon Hamilton and it's been Cam Robinson extension. It's been Evan Ingram. It's been a lot of fine players, but I do not see this team as a bang for your buck team. I mean, the Darius Williams contract, I think looks nice. The rest of them, I'm pretty worried. And Foyasade Aluakon, man, like I... They have so many guys they've given money to and they've given draft capital to who come in at or below expectation. And then because the coaching staff isn't elevating, you're just stuck here with everybody being like, oh, Lawrence isn't that good. I don't know, man. I I, I look at Lawrence and I look at the other 52 players on the roster and the way it's built. And I, I there's a lot of stuff Lawrence can do better. Like I said, I think he's been banged up. There's absolutely fault in his game. But I can't sit here and be like, man, Lawrence underwhelming is really why the Jaguars are where they're at right now. I can't buy that argument. I, I simply can't. So to me, Doug Peterson, who Doug experienced a push and pull and a conflict with the GM in Philadelphia and the control over the roster and whatever. Doug's kind of been through this. Doug needs to get his chest big in the offseason and say like, hey, like front office wise, like we need to be better in terms of the talent that we bring in than we've been. Like we, 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 the, the standard needs to be raised. And then the offense is his responsibility. I know he gave up play calling. I think that that was a mistake. But fundamentally, your offense coach buck stops with you on offense. And, and design-wise, this is really, it is so unnecessarily 404-level offense. It is so, just, there are so many easier wins across the league everywhere offensively. So much more meat on the bone in the running game. So much more meat on the bone in the RPO game and the designed passing, the screen game. And just, there's so many easy ways to pick up yards in the league. And this team is interested in none of it. And it's very frustrating to me. And so... Uh, the Lawrence thing, I think the Jags are going to be a highly criticized and a highly scrutinized team this offseason, and in particular Lawrence, what he delivers over the next two years. But I think we cannot do the Lawrence conversation without widening the scope and seeing what the Jags have been these last two seasons and saying, all right, from the top, there should be changes in how this team is run in order for them to be successful on Lawrence's dwindling rookie deal. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I was thinking about this earlier. They might be my most disappointing team in the NFL this season. Mm-hmm. And that I know that sounds wild to say, given that they're eight and seven and in first place in the AFC South. My take was Trevor Lawrence is right. Uh, I don't know if you saw his quotes, Ben, after um, that game, 30-12 loss to the Bucs. I mean, they, it was like they didn't even show up to this game. They're down 20 nothing at halftime in a game that, you know, like they need this game. This is week 17. This isn't like week three. You're figuring things out. Uh, via ESPN, Trevor Lawrence said, it looks like we don't even practice. We look lost. No sense of urgency. The first interception is three routes all right next to each other. How are we still doing this? Sorry, I forgot about that note and I wanted to say it. Sorry, I had to cut it in. You go. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, He says, I feel like we have good weeks of preparation and we're prepared going into games and then something happens on game day the last month where it just falls apart. And like when he said the thing about it looks like we don't even practice, I'm like, it's honestly exactly how I feel watching this football team. Mm -hmm. Uh, play i i mean they just weaken and we, like we're, we, you know we're trying to talk ourselves into them in the middle of the season hey they figured some things out again you yeah you said you wrote that you know you wrote that piece and then that stuff's getting implemented in the weeks ahead and they're all right okay they figured it out but it hasn't sustained for a long period of time i mean last two weeks they first of all they've lost four in a row 
They've been outscored the last two weeks by the Ravens and the Bucks, 53 to 19. This is a team with a minus 12 point differential. And that offense, 15th in DVOA, 15th in success rate. Like, I like Doug Peterson. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think the, yeah, I think the issues are twofold. I think one, absolutely personnel. When you're watching a game in week 17 uh, for a playoff team, and you don't know who the guy is who they're completing passes to, which was my experience watching this team on Sunday, that's not good. And again, yes, they've had injuries. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, I get it. But wait, these are the guys, right? These are key, these are key third downs. These are the guys uh, they're going to. So they have Elijah Cooks, uh, multiple I do think, big third uh, down conversions. I Elijah Cooks. Elijah Cooks. I had no idea. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? Who is this tall uh, guy with long arms? Who's yeah? He made a couple plays there, yeah. uh, <laughs> but that should not be the case. When this is a team, I thought Trevor Lawrence could uh, take that leap into MVP contender status. I thought the Jaguars were a sleeper Super Bowl team in the NFL, and it hasn't happened. And I think you framed the Lawrence thing correctly because I don't like. Again, it goes kind of goes back to the Purdy thing where, you know, we like a quarterback, and then whenever they don't play well, we make every other excuse. But I think you're right, like. It's not all it's not all on Trevor Lawrence. There's no doubt about it. Having said that, he has not improved this year. He has not made the leap that I wanted him to make. And maybe again, maybe that's injury related. He's dealt with a bunch of injuries, but he's got 12 fumbles this year, third most in the NFL. He's fifth in most turnover worthy plays. This is a coach and quarterback and it uh, granted that I agree with the personnel stuff. This is a coach and a quarterback that I felt like could overcome a lot of those shortcomings and like elevate the rest of the roster and be bringing up guys that you're like, oh, I have no idea, you know, uh, who this person is, but they're playing well and they're figuring it out and they're scheming things up and they have not done that this year. So uh, to me, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of hope for them here. I, I know they're, they're still in the driver's seat in the AFC South. They've got Carolina, they've got Tennessee to finish out the season, but now Trevor Lawrence is dealing with this shoulder injury and nothing they, they've done this season suggests you should trust them. I mean, the numbers are good on defense. I don't think that's a, a very good, a great defense by any means. I think the numbers overrate how good they are. I would not trust them against a, an above average offense down the stretch here. And so I see this as an underachieving team that is really facing uh, a big offseason. So uh, I think you nailed it. I, I think the issues are twofold. I think one, the personnel is not yeah. good enough. They haven't built it well and they need to figure out in the offseason, pour resources into that offense figure out the offense, give them answers, make it a top five offense, and then worry about the defense. They've spent so many resources on that defense uh, for it to not even be, uh, again, that good of a defense. I don't care what the stats say, uh, but that to me is another issue they've had here. So yeah, they, they've got, I, I don't expect them to surprise down the stretch, and I think they face a big offseason. Yeah, I think, right, like the Lawrence conversation, I think like we, we can do a expectations of the first overall pick top 10 quarterback like we can do all that that's not very helpful for me right now what's helpful is like i i think it, i think anybody who says oh i've watched lawrence and you can't win with a guy who plays like this i think they're outside their melon so like once you establish that then you have to look at at what is around him and say okay why do i feel like this team is overall overall disappointing and it's like just okay like like they have spent money and they have spent capital and overall, like just in vacuums, when you look at the contributions of guys like Christian Kirk and Tanks Bigby and, and ETN, who like I think ETN is great in the fantasy community. And I know they love him there, but like from a on field perspective, like it's just a, a lot of bad mistakes behind the line of scrimmage. Like there's just there's 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 players here where I'm just I, I need more from you to contribute to a winning organization. I think that's on those players on the the front office that acquired them, but then also on the on the coaching staff that to develop them. When Doug arrived, everybody on offense got better fast, right? Like 
urban out dug in fixed a lot of issues since then straight lines steady lines there's been very little development on the offensive side of the ball from that talent. I think even defensively, I think there's been development. Okay. Devin Lloyd, Darius Williams, Andre Cisco. Some of these guys have gotten better. This, this defensive performance from the Jaguars, this is the thing that this, this defensive season is the one that you talk about, which is like, right. Do great on offense. Be good enough on it defense. Should have been good enough. And yes. you can make a run, right? Yeah. This defensive performance, that's, that's the one you're talking about. Offensively, they didn't hold that end of the bargain. I think Andrea has a lot to do yeah. with that. And I think that, but I think that, that coaching staff and personnel is, is a big part of it as well. By the way, also, you know, as I'm just looking at this, it's another, like, this conversation is another feather in the cap of Lamar Jackson's MVP candidacy when you look at it. I mean, he loses Mark Andrews, and I like, say, Flowers. I like Odell Beckham Jr. Rashad Bateman has had some moments. Gus Edwards? Likely. I mean, no one's, who's look who's looking at that supporting cast saying, wow, you know, he's loaded. No, they're not lifting him. He's lifting them. They're fourth in offensive DVOA. They're seventh in passing, yeah. they're first in rushing, and it's because the quarterback has done a good job of elevating the players um, around right. him. So I, I do think that matters. Well, you know, uh, the quarterback the quarterback discussion, the MVP discussion, we get into statistics and film and narrative and all that. But when you look at it from that perspective, that that is a big feather uh, mm-hmm. in his cap for sure. I would say, yeah. And another feather in the cap uh, for Todd Monken, who's the OC there. Uh, and Monken's first year OC, when I was talking about where are my easy wins, where are my designer plays on third down, I was thinking a lot about Monken. Fourth and goal, Gus Edwards touchdown. They got a little motion to full house. They got Nick Bosa's head spinning. Bosa's unblocked on that play, and they had him jumping at shadows, right, with all the potential blockers and runners in the mesh point. The Zay Flowers touchdown, little ghost screen, right? You go mm, uh, take the screen, nice. go to the scene, run to the flat, right? Get two Niners defenders in the same area. These one, this designer plays. Like, I, I'm still on a third and five to put five in the constant, let the bar solve a problem for you. But also, like, I'm going to. I'm going to pull my own way. I'm not just going to be like, oh, Trevor Lawrence solve problems for me. No, I'm going to, I'm going to scheme some stuff up so that way you don't have to do it every single down. Monk and I thought, I think also as they've lost Key Mitchell, they've lost Mark Andrews has, has been a problem solver for them. And then when he does, when it, it's not there for him, I mean, Nelson Aguilar, guy anybody could have, yeah. he's making the right play on the scramble drill as coached up and that's a touchdown. So again, that's why you know, yeah. those things matters. All right, let's take one more break. We'll come back with Solak's last take and then the extra point take. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right. 
We are back on extra point taken since that was my, was that my second take? My, no, that was my third take. Okay, so we're, yeah. we're getting your third take and then we're coming back with the extra point taken. What do you got? Well, listen, show my third take is brought to you by Hyundai. Hyundai, all right, is bringing extra point taken. You can do a lot from your phone, watch games, play with your fantasy teams, listen to us talk about football all day. And now with Blue Link Plus, you can access your Hyundai to Song Limited remotely with just a few taps. Unlock your door, set the temp and more all from your phone. Get complimentary class leading Blue Link Plus. It's just another way owning a Hyundai Tucson Limited. It's more convenient than ever. I'm literally looking out the window right now, looking at the Hyundai parked in the driveway. Uh, Shield, if the Detroit Lions get the one seed, they're winning the NFC and they're going to the Super Bowl. We like it? Feel good about oh! it? Oh! Uh, I don't agree. No. I said <laughs> in the Niners conversation, uh, they're still the best team in the NFC and they're still going to represent the conference in the Super Bowl. If you make me pick right now, with the, the possibilities and potential, okay, who gets the one seed? I'm still picking the Niners. However, the Detroit Lions secured the NFC North first divisional championship since 1993 when there were five teams in the division. By the way, not four, all right? For those of you wondering, oh, what, what was Ben up to in uh, 1993? Nothing. I didn't exist yet, and I wouldn't exist for several years, all right? Yeah, me neither. It's been neither. a long yep, time since the Detroit Lions won the division. And when, <laughs> when they won that game and locked down the division, they released a video, all right? And I'm a sucker for a team and get some good music going, get some highlights, get some crunching hits in there. I'm a sucker for it. I admit I'm a sucker for some Dan Campbell content too, right? I, I will, uh, I'll be good for either one of those things. The, the, the Dan Campbell turn around, look at the back of the room, read it out. When's the last time we won a division that hit, right? Like this, this, this team has a lot of internal belief. Okay. This team I think is a, is a excellent culture team that knows how they are going to win games and follows the script and they stay on message. They stay on point. They don't, they don't lose sight of, of, of the goal. They don't lose sight of their compass. They're going to, they're going to be to their identity. And that's how Dan Campbell has been now. Detroit Lions. Okay. We talked about Jared Goff, one seed playing at home, playing in the dome, what have you. A lot of that was like theory two months ago. And then they lost some games. Niners were looking great. Okay. Whatever. Lions are out of the conversation. Well, lo and behold, shield Detroit Lions are 11 and four. You know who else is 11 and four? San Francisco 49ers. You know who else is 11 and 4? Philadelphia Eagles. We are, we are coming down the mountain here with uh, two games left. Now, Detroit has a game in Dallas that is a very big game in week 17. And then they are uh, home against Minnesota, who they just beat. They need to win both of those games. They need, and uh, they also still need a Niners loss. Uh, they have the, uh, excuse me, they need, they need an Eagles loss because the Eagles have the tiebreaker over them. Niners wise, I think they also need a Niners loss to the Rams. Liners are going to beat the commanders. But in general, the Lions, the, the, the window has creaked open. It was pretty much closed. It has creaked open for the Lions to win now uh, the, the conference. If they do get the bye, all right, divisional wildcard round, divisional round, just get, 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 get the worst team come through, get the five seed Cowboys who they will have just beaten a couple weeks previous, get the six seed Rams, Matthew Stafford back in the building, Shield. get the seven seed Seahawks who, like Pete Carroll's beaten them the last like six times. Maybe that would be bad. But in general, get a get a low seed, dodge the Niners, conference championship game at home against against San Francisco. I don't think they'd be favored in that game, but you just need to get lucky once. You they just need to be. get one. No. If you <laughs> if you get if you get that by and you're able to handle business at home, a home field advantage is massive for Jared Goff. It is massive for this team. That is a loud stadium. If the Lions get the one seed, I'm putting it in writing now, cement and chisel it in stone. I don't think they're going to get the one seed. I think the Niners are going to get it. If they get the one seed, 
I'm betting on the Lions to come out of the conference. I think that that buy, that level, that 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 extra rest, this level of team belief, and this home field advantage in particular for Jared Goff is enough cumulatively that whoever they draw division round of conference championship round, I think division round they're going to come out hot. All right, Dan Campbell first playoff game as a one seed at home, they're going to score 21 on the first two drives somehow. I don't even know. Conference championship game, that's the squirrely one. I will be, however, if we get there, I will be I will be betting on the Lions, taking the Lions to win that and go represent the NFC in, in the Super Bowl. And I'm I'm so positive that the Lions content team will have something great for me then too. They'll, they'll sucker me and they'll hook me in and I'll believe even more than I do now. Lions one seed, Lions NFC championship, here it comes. I appreciate your ability to go through that entire thing and not mention the the other side of the football. For the Lions, that's a nice job out of you. Uh, Never heard I of think it. The defense that just gave up 411 passing yards to Nick Mullins. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to be shaking in his boots to face that. Never heard of it. I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be worried uh, about facing that. Matthew Stafford, I don't think he's going to be all that concerned to face that defense. So uh, the thing we talked about with the Ravens, they can win in different ways, does not apply to the Detroit Lions. No. They can win <laughs> in one way, and it's a very good way, and it's a very good unit, and uh, kudos to them. Awesome. Uh, I, I love the content as well. I like this team a lot. I like them. In, I like their offense indoors. There's no doubt of these young players. I mean, if you're just watching the light, oh my God, I get to watch Jameer Gibbs for the next three, four years. I get to watch Sam Laporta for hopefully the next eight or nine years. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I mean, this offensive line, there's so much to like. I let That offense indoors is going to be tough to deal with. There's no doubt about it. They're going to play really well if they're indoors in the playoffs. The other side of the ball, they don't have it. You know, we thought they turned a corner at times earlier this season. Uh, really from the middle of the season to now, it's been very up and down against a good offense. I do not trust them. Now, they could still win. They create a couple turnovers, maybe do something on special teams, maybe win a shootout. All those things are in play. Can they do that twice in the divisional round and then in the NFC Championship game against likely two very good offenses? I have a hard time uh, seeing that. So I'm not there with you. I like the take. It's a good take. It's a fun take. I like the Lions. I like their offense. I like watching them play football. Uh, I just do not trust them nearly enough defensively. Uh, although they are getting healthy. I will say they are getting healthy. So they get some guys back here uh, down the stretch. But I still don't trust them defensively against some of the top offenses in the NFC. So there you go. I so yeah I um I'm seeing conflicting like I've got I've got conflicting things on if the Lions or the Eagles would have the one seed in the event of a Niners loss and Lions and Eagles win out. I thought it was if the Niners lose the game and the Lions go undefeated over the next two the Lions get the one seed. I'm see, like someone is is arguing that it was Eagles. The, it's strength of schedule. I find it confusing. I'm pretty sure it's Lions went out, Niners lose a game, and the Lions get the one seed. So please forgive me if I if I if I got that one wrong. I always get bamboozled by these things defensively. Sam, uh, James Houston's coming back. Oh, yeah. Uh, here we go. <laughs> a little pass rush help. It'd be good. Chad Gardner Johnson. All right. Not that safety play was the issue at all with this team. Ted Johnson, you know, playmaker. It's ball magnet interceptions. Listen, can they defend the pass? No. 
<laughs> but what if they score a lot of points? <laughs> I, I believe. They, I, <laughs> I have. I. I am. I am. I am imbibing belief. I am. I'm drunk on belief in the Detroit Lions. I find the idea of Jared Goff back in the Super Bowl objectively hilarious on a contract year, no less. I find that very funny. I think every piece of Dan Campbell content before a conference championship and or a league championship game would be amazing. And I also. She'll, as a person who will be attending the Super Bowl, I would love to see a 45 to 42 game. That'll work for me. I'm, I'm into the fireworks. It's good for content, as you would say. But all right. So, yes, I acknowledge that defensively, the Lions are not good. However, get a pick. Amon Ross St. Brown, three touchdowns. We're going to be okay. The one aspect of this <laughs> NFC playoff picture. Now, it, it doesn't get to where you want it to go with the Lions in the one seed, but I'm looking at it. Yeah, you know, I love it if the season ended today, Solak. Number three, Detroit Lions, first round, hosting number six, Los Angeles Rams. The coach, Jared Goff, who threw you under the bus, Matthew Stafford, going back to Detroit. Oh, baby, that one's got some juice. So let's keep that going. Stafford jogs out of the tunnel for a home Lions playoff game. Boo or cheer? What's happening? Uh, What would I do if I were a Lions fan or what do the Lions fans do? No, what's going to happen? What are the Lions fans going to do? I think Lions fans probably cheer. You know better than me. You live in Michigan. There are nice people out there. I think they. I think they would standing ovation him. I legit think. I think. Okay. I think when he comes out of the tunnel, I think they would stand and they would clap and they would cheer for thirty seconds. I think they would go nuts for him. I think once the ball snap, they're going to go to business. But I like they. I, they have a great respect for Stafford, and Stafford has a great respect for them. And I think like. I, I I I would love to see it because I think what's I would be so interested to hear what Stafford said in the week before the game. But I think Stafford would be legitimately thrilled that he has a chance to play against the Detroit Lions in that stadium for a playoff game. He would be so happy for that team that they're that they're in that environment. So like just for the heartwarmingness of it, I want it so badly. Sadly, the Lions will not be playing in the wild card round because they're getting the bye, baby. One seed Lions. Here we go. Shiel, the NFC champion Detroit Lions are brought to you by uh, Hyundai, as well as Exploitation. That's also brought to you by Hyundai. Get complimentary class-leading Blue Link Plus with your Hyundai Tucson Limited to make things more convenient than ever. Lock or unlock the doors, set the temp, locate your car, and more, all from your phone. Learn more about the new Tucson and Blue Link Plus at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603, Shiel, for complete details. There you go. All right, finished out with the extra point taken. My extra point taken. Benjamin, is that? I know you're already in draft season. You're you're doing draft pod. Are you doing draft pods weekly now? Love a draft pod. We we were off for Christmas. We'll be back in January. Okay, there you go. See, listen, Solex already grinding the draft film. The top of this draft is once again shaping up perfectly. I was nervous a month. You know me. I like the offseason better than the in-season. A month ago, I thought, oh, you know what? The Cardinals are too good. They're not going to be the one or two seed. They're getting Kyler Murray back. They're going to luck into some wins. Well, that has not happened. Right now, we have the Bears by way of the Panthers with the top pick at 2-13. and 13. We've talked about that scenario a million times. I think there's no way they're sticking with Justin Fields. Other people think maybe there is a way. Whatever. There's intrigue there. If they don't stick with him, he's getting traded. I get to talk about fake Justin Fields trades on in January and February pods. What could make me happier? All right. Love that. But now, Ben, this 3-12 and 12 Cardinals team with the second pick, I need to keep them in that spot. I don't want the Patriots in there where they're just going to sit there, draft a quarterback. Boring. I don't need the commanders in there just going <laughs> to sit there, take a pick. Boring. 
I need some juice. And the Cardinals give me some juice. Because if the Cardinals sit there with that second pick in the draft, then we get the intrigue. Then we get the, do they stick with Kyler Murray? Or do they draft Caleb Williams or Drake May? If they trade Kyler Murray, is there a market for Kyler Murray? Will they be willing to eat that money on Kyler Murray's contract? Who's interested in Kyler Murray? What is Kyler Murray worth? In the open market, (laughs) what teams are interested in Kyler Murray? Or do they keep Kyler Murray and trade down? Trade down? Wait, other teams can trade up to two and get Caleb Williams or Drake May? Who's doing that? What are they giving up? So many dominoes. So thank you, Arizona Cardinals, for not winning more games, for stinking it up. Just stink it up the last two games here. Do not blow this. For my personal enjoyment of off-season content, Bears by way of Panthers at number one. Cardinals nice. at number two. That is the ideal scenario for my off-season content. No one screwed up. So there you go. That's my extra point taken. I, uh, I very much agree. I am so positive. <laughs> because of the amount of leverage that's on this moment for the Bears, they got the first overall pick in a trade. It's such a great thing. Trade for a future first, and it ends up being one overall. That, unbelievable. And because Justin Fields is playing well-ish now, right? He's been good, good track for him, best track of his career. Because there's two quarterbacks at the top, Caleb and Drake May, there's just so many leverage points. There's so many decisions that were made. I'm so positive the Bears screw this up. I'm I'm certain of it. And not screw this up like uh, they should do this. Like Ben thinks they should do this and they end up doing something else. Just whatever it is they choose to do, even if it's what I would have done, it will not work. There's 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 too much. There's too many places for this to go wrong. Like, oh, they draft Caleb and he's good, but it turns out Fields is really good with the Steelers. Oh, they talk themselves into May over Caleb and then Caleb is amazing and May is terrible. They draft Caleb over May and May is amazing and Caleb's terrible. Something happens in this process that ruins Bears fans' enjoyment of football for the next de- next decade. I lived in Chicago for college and know enough Bears fans to know it's coming. All right? That, that, that reality I, I, is becoming more and more crystal to me with every good, good uh, Justin Fields games that follows. I agree that the Kyler thing is interesting. The Cardinals are too. Here's the problem. Marvin Harrison is such an easy pick for them. He's such an easy pick. They they so desperately need a Marvin Harrison. And he's so ludicrously talented that like they, they should, and I'm sure they will try to move off of two and let a, a team who wants to draft the quarterback come get it if they commit to Kyler. Like in that in those universes, I'm sure they'll try to move off of two. But it's not like they're gonna stay at two and draft like Trayvon Walker. Like, like, you know, like draft, like, you know, uh, 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 Derek Stingley, he went three overall. Will Anderson went three overall, right? They're not going to end up with that guy. They're going to end up with Marvin. Like, Marvin, Marvin is legit, is all that in a bag of chips. He is as build. Uh, and so that's, and that's such a big need for them. It would help out Kyler a ton. And so that's the part that loses a little bit of the juice for me off the Cardinals. I, I, I did like Patriots at two. I liked that. My, my Patriots 2024 take was, you know, I liked, I liked sitting on that one. <laughs> uh, Chargers in the top five potentially is great. I love that because you know that's going to be a nightmare of a pitcher to take a guard. Uh, commanders early. These Commanders games, dude. The Sam Howell plays for three quarters, nearly loses us the game. We put Jacoby Brissett in and almost went. It's such good content, dude. Uh, it's amazing. They as a quarterback team interest me because they have such good wide receivers. There's a lot that's fun at the top. Uh, I'm just going to listen. I had As you were talking, I had some disagreeing thoughts, but I thought, Sheil, See, when your team content like me, you're looking at, you got pods to fill in February, 
in March and April, I'm just going to sit on. I'll say, you know, that we may we we may have a knockdown, drag out argument over the Arizona Cardinals and what they should do at some point. Oh, I'm all already looking to it. Like the second week of February, Super Bowl's over, big offseason questions, extra point taken. We'll be right here. All right. So there you go. Uh, thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for his video production, additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. No midweek dual threat this week. So next up, we'll be Solak and I again. After I missed last week, I got to figure out how badly I got smoked in our contest and look ahead to week 17 with our pick. So we'll be back on Friday with that show. Until then, everyone, have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.